from Australia, this is VK1WIA. Hi there, I'm Graham, VK4 Baker Baker. You know, sometimes I just shake my head. Hot on the heels of an item in the VK4 Q News local news service last week where VK4 Zulu Papa Papa called on the VK4 clubs to tell us if you're doing anything, we have been told, be it late, that on the Sunshine Coast an ARIS contact has been planned for some considerable time. When for? Well, don't bother because it was last week. An unconfirmed report from the UK's Southgate Amateur Radio Club says an International Space Station school contact had been planned with participants at Marichidor State School, Queensland, on August 6. The contact, a telebridge, between NA1SS and LU1CGB. The report went on to say, Maruchidor State School is the hidden jewel of Maruchidor. As editor of this, the WIA News Service, I'd say the entire exercise was very well hidden indeed. The ANTAC 100 program, August activity, and it gets bigger and bigger. Antarctic joins ANTAC 100 program. The activation of VI-0 ANZAC on Casey Base in the Australian Antarctic Territory is due to start operation as part of the Wireless Institute of Australia's ANZAC 100 program. Doug, VK0DMV, is working at Casey and has great pleasure in activating the VI-0 ANZAC callsign. His role will keep him extremely busy and can only operate when his duties allow. This will mean that some published operational times may not occur due to operational requirements and the weather conditions. VI-0 ANZAC will use the commercial QMAC HF90 transceiver, but with an output power of 50 watts into a dipole antenna. Doug thanks both the WIA and the Australian Antarctic Division for this opportunity in this the 100th anniversary year of the Gallipoli campaign in World War I. Make a note, QSL is strictly EQSL. Fred, VK3DAC, the ANZAC 100 coordinator, will be on air as a control station. Potential operating dates are this weekend, the 8th and 9th of August, start time at 0000 UTC, which is 8am at Casey Station, and it'll operate for two hours, and then stop before recommencing. Proposed schedule on both days in UTC time is far too complicated to get across here in one go, so we remind those that do not get the email script sent to them each week to visit wia.org.au and read this week's edition. Vietnam Veterans Long Tan Day will be commemorated by VI4 Anzac on August 15 and then for seven days at Atherton in far north Queensland. The Battle of Long Tan between Australian forces and Viet Cong fighters was in 1966 at a rubber plantation near Long Tan in Phuc Thuy Province, South Vietnam. VI-4 Anzac at the home of Dale McCarthy, VK-4 DMC, will involve Vietnam veterans who remember Long Tan Day and also pay honour to the service given by the World War I diggers. Also on August 15 for 48 hours will be VI-5 Anzac by the Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society. This marks the anniversary of the 10th Battalion at Morfittville Racecourse, South Australia, among the first Australian units raised during World War I. A bit later, on August 21 and for seven days, the Gippsland Gate Radio Electronic Club, southeast of Melbourne, will be VK100 Anzac. It will involve some club members with a strong family attachment to World War I and include a meeting with the Cranbourne RSL. 
In all, about eight members will use SSB, CW, FM and the digital modes. Look out for them signing VK100 ANZAC. Hi, this is Phil Waite, VK2ASD, President of the WIA. The fifth APT group meeting was held last week in Seoul, Korea. APT stands for Asia Pacific Telecommunity and the meeting inputs to the ITU World Radio Communications Conference, WAC 15, which is going to be held in November this year. The Australian delegation had 23 people representing broadcasting, satellite, maritime, aviation, defence, IMT, science and amateur issues. The WIA's representative, Dale Hughes, VK1DSH, put the views of the Australian amateur community to the meeting through the Australian Communications and Media Authority. Most of the interest to radio amateurs is Agenda Item 1.4. That seeks a new secondary amateur allocation around 5.3 megs. This is a difficult issue for Australia and many other Asian Pacific countries due to the large number of existing users in that band. However, Australia currently supports a small new secondary amateur allocation around 5.3 megs. A full report from Dow Hughes has been placed on the WIA website. It's very comprehensive and well worth a read. And while you're there, check out the new 2 metre and 70 centimetre band plans which have just been approved by the WIA board. That followed a very lengthy consultation process with submissions being received from many different types of band users. The WIA board would like to thank everyone who lodged submissions and helped us navigate through some very thorny issues. In particular, we would like to thank John, VK3UM, Peter, VK3APO, Grant, VK5GR, and the entire WIA Technical Advisory Group. We think the outcome has been very successful and should take us well into the future. This is Phil Waite, VK2ASD, for the WIA. Thanks, Phil. We continue WIA and the National News Service with a look at WIA board activity. The WIA AGM 2016 package bookings close soon. In fact, very, very soon. The Wireless Institute of Australia has chosen Norfolk Island for its annual general meeting in May. The WIA board, after looking at transport, accommodation and venue options, has come up with a good price, enabling the sharing of the special occasion with others while also making it a memorable time to visit the many tourist attractions. Why Norfolk Island? Well, it was presented to the WIA AGM in Canberra, which gave the WIA board support to further explore the option and, if viable, come up with a definitive plan. After a lot of research, the WIA board released its plan for the WIA 2016 AGM, May 27, 28, 29 last month, via emails to the 100 or so who had expressed their interest earlier on its website and through this broadcast. The WIA has some good prices for flights from Sydney and Brisbane that service Norfolk Island and a range of nearby accommodation, although some places are limited. The dates of the WIA 2016 AGM again, May 27, 28 and 29. Now, this may seem a long way off, but due to its special nature, bookings and a small deposit are required now to secure the flight and accommodation deals. Originally, on this news service, we told you bookings close August 25. However, this email from Vice President Fred to Jim Linton reads, and I quote from that email, Air New Zealand have been in contact with the travel agent 
and are seeking to confirm bookings and receive a deposit for the trip to Norfolk Island. They are expecting to receive this on Monday the 10th of August, much earlier than expected. To be sure of reserving your place at this significant event at the discount price, please make your booking and pay your deposit now. Regards Fred, VK3DAC. Full details and a booking form are online at the WIA website, wia.org.au. ACMA licensing shutdown announced. The Australian Communications and Media Authority has announced that it will suspend all apparatus licence processing from Friday, August 14 to Tuesday, September 1, this to replace its licensing and frequency processing system. The ACMA, in announcing this two-week closure, acknowledges the need to bring a more efficient process to apparatus licences which are widely used, including the amateur service. The Wireless Institute of Australia highly recommends that if your licence is due for renewal during the closure period, immediately renew it, even if this is well before its expiry date. If you or your club need to renew a licence for a 6 metre beacon on a frequency below 52 MHz prior to September 9, contact the WIA immediately. This is because the ACMA are not renewing beacon or repeater licences below 52 MHz after September 9 and the shutdown may affect any that have still not been renewed. The ACMA in a statement said that during the shutdown there will be no apparatus licences processed, device registrations or licence renewals. Processing of them resumes Wednesday, September 2. Most licensees will not notice the shutdown, but in some cases, the ACMA warns, there may be delays. Although the shutdown period has been announced, the ACMA foreshadowed the new helm system earlier this year. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. As we whip around Australia, we'll be looking at VK3, VK7 and VK4. In VK3, the 2015 Winter Expedition to the Bogong High Plains will be run from the 11th to the 14th of August. VK3 FMAW, VK3 GT and VK3 SN will lead the group who plan to camp out on the roof of Victoria at elevations of up to 1,800 metres. All necessary gear will be carried and the guys will set out on backcountry skis from Falls Creek covering up to 20 kilometres of Australia's most beautiful alpine high country each day. Tents, igloos and remote huts will provide shelter each evening and radio will form a vital communication link throughout the adventure. As usual, the group will be active on 40 metres each afternoon and 80 metres most evening using solar-powered QRP gear and simple wire antennas strung up in the snow gums. Other bands are likely to be activated if conditions permit. Many two-metre repeaters in northeast Victoria will also be activated over the course of the trip, so listen out on those if you're in the vicinity. Snow depth currently looks good, so let's hope that it remains nice and cold with plenty more precipitation. Listen out for the team and make contact with the guys as they operate from the Victorian Alps. From the cold country to the steaming north. Exam sessions in the North Queensland region are held on demand with WIA assessors and assessment packs available for all three levels of licensing. Contact the Townsville Amateur Radio Club Incorporated's assessment coordinator, that's Roger, VK4CD, Victor Kilo 4 Charlie Delta. His mobile number 
or said differently, 0 dBm is the equivalent of 1 milliwatt. If you double the power, 3 dBm, you're looking at roughly 2 milliwatt. 10 watts is the same as 40 dBm. 100 watts is the same as 50 dBm. That means that between 10 watts and 100 watts, there's 10 dB difference. That is, there is a 10 dB gain if you go from 10 watts to 100 watts. On a HF radio, on your S-meter, an S-point is defined as 6 dB. That means that the difference between a 10 watt contact and a 100 watt contact is less than 2 S-points. The difference between 100 watts and 400 watts is even smaller. 400 watts is 56 dBm. As I said, an S-point is 6 dB, so the difference between a contact made using 100 watts and one made with 400 watts is 1 S-point. An F-call doing 10 watts is 3 S-points worse off than an advanced call using 400 watts, all else being equal. Of course, depending on the conditions and the deafness of the operator at the other end, that might well be the difference between making the contact or not. If you start at S9 with 400 watts, and there's 30 dB path loss because of band conditions, you end up at S4. But if you start with 10 watts at S6, you end up at S1. The path loss has a bigger impact on your readability than the amount of power you're putting out. The main take-home is that an F-call can make contacts with their 10 watts, and there are only three S-points behind the big guns with their fancy advanced license. Before you start mouthing off about the 1500 watts allowed in the United States, that's just under 62 dBm, so one more S-point. That's not to say there's no benefit in upgrading your license, access to bands, modes, home-built transceivers and other perks, but power shouldn't be why you upgrade. One final observation, I've noticed that if you're confident on air, other stations hear you better. That might mean that the 400 watts that you have as an advanced licensee might make you more confident, thus making more contacts. I'm Ono, a Victor Kilo 6 Foxtrot Lima Alpha Bravo. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. International news with thanks to IARU, RSGB, SARL, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART and the worldwide sources of the WIA. I'm Jason, VK2LAW. We heard earlier from our president, VK2ASD, about the WIA involvement with the fifth meeting of Asia-Pacific Telecommunity Preparatory Group for WRC15. This meeting was the final APT preparatory meeting before the World Radio Communications Conference, which will be held in Geneva in November 2015. The output of WRC-15 is an international treaty known as the ITU Radio Regulations which governs usage of the radio frequency spectrum in all countries of the world. The output of the APG-15-5 meeting is a number of preliminary APT Common Proposals, PACP, which provide regional views on WRC-15 agenda items. Establishing these regional views is an important part of Australia's preparation for WRC-15. Dale Hughes, VK1DSH, says because of the importance of regional agreement on many RF spectrum issues, 
the Australian government and industry representatives put in substantial effort to get a regional position that is in agreement with Australia's views. Australia's final position on all WRC 15 agenda items will be determined at the final WRC preparatory group meeting, which is hosted by the ACMA and scheduled to be held in Canberra on the 27th of August. It is possible that Australia's position on a number of WRC 15 agenda items may change based on the views of other countries and regional groups. A New Zealand hunter prosecuted for using illegal dog tracking devices. Another hunter has been convicted in the Tokoroa District Court and fined $1,000 for using illegal dog tracking equipment. He was also sentenced to four months community detention for unlawful hunting and nine months disqualification for dangerous driving. The hunter pleaded guilty to using unlicensed radio communications equipment and hunting unlawfully after being found hunting in a forestry block in Katamauri back in April 2015. The sentencing judge also imposed an order for the forfeiture of the illegal Garmin devices. ZL hunters are reminded that dog tracking equipment designed for the United States market is likely to use the 151 to 154 megahertz frequency range. This range is assigned for other purposes in New Zealand. Ireland's Limerick Radio Club will activate Loophead Lighthouse for the International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend event. Two HF stations will be set up, one in the Lightkeeper's watch room and the second one at the entrance to the lighthouse, where the club will also have a selection of QSL cards, world map and a rolling PowerPoint presentation of past club activities. The local Clare County Council will provide organised tours of the lighthouse. More news on the August International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend a little later in this bulletin of news from your WIA. Canada the RAC Band Planning Committee has released an updated band plan for all LF and HF 0 to 30 MHz amateur allocations. The RAC 0 to 30 MHz band plan is available for viewing on the RAC website. Developing nations get grants. Three amateur radio projects have been announced as the newest recipients of supporting grants from the YASMI Foundation, the California-based not-for-profit which assists such projects in developing countries. They are the organising committee of the 2018 World Radio Team Championship for fees associated with special call sign stations, the reverse beacon network to enable equipment to be bought to establish a node in Ethiopia at club station Echo Tango 3 Alpha Alpha and in Liberia, a representative of the Voodoo Contest Group for materials to train future licensees. Yasmi, named for the boat of pioneering de-expedition Danny Weil, a silent key, works to advance development of amateur radio around the world. News, talk and radio sport, here with VK1 WIA. Operational news on Felix VK4 of UQ2015. Remember Day Contest August 15 and 16. Alara Weil Contest, Saturday 29th August 0400 hours UTC to 1359 hours UTC. Sunday 30th August 0400 hours UTC to 13.59 hours UTC. You can gain an extra 40 points during the Alara contest by having four contacts with either VK5FJAY or VK5LOL. 10 points per contact. Oceania DX Contest 4 is first full weekend in October. Oceania DX Contest CW second full weekend in October. The Contestors vs. The Others 
It is only a couple of weeks ago on OVK6 FLAB in his segment, What Uses an F Call, made mention of the plethora of weekly ham radio contests. On many weekends, somewhere in the world, there's a contest on air. The activity is very much part of amateur radio, helping to improve rapid fire operation, station performance, scoring, or get new stations in the log. Jim Linton, BK3PC, reminds us that one thing a contestant should not do is deliberately break into any non-contest QSO and demand that stations give them an exchange or number. This is particularly true when a clash occurs like next weekend, which has both the WIA Remembrance Day contest and the International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend. The editorial in the August edition of Amateur Radio Magazine says stations who call CQ lighthouses are not in the RD contest, otherwise they would be calling CQ RD contest. Those not engaged in the contest for whatever reason may politely advise contestants of the fact, but by giving just one number invites many other contestants to ask for an exchange too. The rules of radio etiquette are that no one, nor an activity, owns a frequency or band. Contestants and other users are mindful that there are many low-power portable stations at lighthouses next weekend, equally sharing our bands. Some contest results now, these all going to CW Group FIST members. In the latest group of contest results, FIST down under members have been among some of the top entrants. In the 2014 Oceania DS contest, Brian VK3MI, number 9078, achieved a very high score, and Doc VK5BG14136 took out first place in the 40m QRP category. In the John Moyle Field Day held in March, Andrew VK2ONZ15873 achieved first place in the CW6 hour portable category and Greg VK1AI9604 achieved second place in the all-mode six-hour portable category. In the Harry Angel Sprint held in May, Steve VK7CW14164 came in equal first. For VK1WIA National News, I'm Felix VK4FUQ Inningham. I'm Brian VK3GR with Worldwide Special Interest Group News, this week beginning at CW, FIST's 30th Anniversary. In 2017, it will be the 30th anniversary of the FIST CW Club. Yes, that does seem like a long time away, but planning for the event has already begun. Shirts and cups with a special logo were issued for the 25th anniversary. This is something that can be done again. The US chapter is looking to activate their national call sign, KN0WCW, from all states during 2017. To Worldwide Special Interest Group Digital. Windows bug can affect digital modes. In this digital age is the ever-present threat of errant software. Now comes a warning that digital modes used by radio amateurs in the popular Windows platform can be degraded, but a fix is available. It seems there's a bug with the USB audio chipset used in sound interfaces that occurs in Windows Vista and later. Attention to it comes from Michael Carey, VK5ZEA, who has used the fix to success. He had a few weird things happen since upgrading his Shack PC to Windows 7. The original information seems to be from John Sands, KD9DAL, who has posted a non-exhaustive list of devices, including all ICOM, Kenwood, and Yaesu radios with USB audio, and the popular Signalink USB interface. To learn more on the problem and its fix, see the text edition of this broadcast for the URL. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Final Frontier. A Final Frontier, but this bird is still circling. Once upon a time, 
Back on July 22, 1962, the first live public transatlantic TV broadcast was relayed by Telstar One, a communications satellite that had been launched two weeks earlier. The broadcast featured CBS's Walter Cronkite and NBC's Chet Huntley in New York and the BBC's Richard Dimbleby in Brussels. Later that same day, the satellite relayed the first telephone call to be transmitted through space. Although it's no longer fully functional, Telstar 1 is still in orbit around Earth. To Worldwide Special Interest Group's ILLW, a first for the International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend. Switzerland is an alpine country with no sea coast, but it does have the lighthouses on two large lakes, including the one at Romanshorn that overlooks Lake Constance. It has an octagonal tower, a small square lantern, and a square frogbell tower with bell. Well, in a first, Sylvan Montelhauer, HB9FVR, has registered the call sign HB9ILLW for August 15 and 16, making it unique in the fun events history. We wish him well with HB9ILLW that is certain to be popular. This year's 400th registration goes to the lightship Fingrundent at Stockholm in Sweden. Put on air by the Sonderstorn Radio Amateur Club as 7S0SFJ, which is the most fitting because the light vessel previously had the radio call sign SFJ. Another 100 registrations are needed to reach the 2014 record total of 544. To see all registrations, the simple guidelines or online registration form for the ILLW on August 15 and 16, visit the website www.illw.net. That's all I have this week. I'm Brian, VK3GR, signing off. Just about time we tied the ribbon on this edition of WIA National News. I'm Graham, VK4 Baker Baker. Walk softly. From Australia, this has been VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service. On RF, we thank our rebroadcast team and you for listening. And remember, internet streaming and text of this news is available 24-7 at wia.org.au.